Food Heals Nation, what have you been doing lately when it comes to truly caring for your skin? Have you tried any of the light therapy facials or the LED masks? I've shared on this show how I use lasers to completely remove my brown spots in the past, and I love anything that can help me with wrinkles or blemishes or redness or scars. I find a lot of great products on YouTube that I test out, and I've just discovered a new brand. It's called Lima, and when you see the before and afters on YouTube, you're going to be a convert too. They are changing the way that you care for your skin on actually a profoundly scientific level. This is the Lima laser. It's the world's most powerful clinic grade cosmetic laser device and the only laser FDA cleared for at home use. Why this is important is because I was spending, I'm not going to tell you how much, way too much money years ago when I was getting rid of those brown spots when I was really healing my skin. And now This same type of technology is available at home, and I'm here for it. I am so excited. So this is a near-infrared laser light that penetrates deep into the dermis, simultaneously working on your fat, muscle, and bone to give you like a non-surgical facelift. It transforms your skin. It helps skin issues like wrinkles, sagging, blemishes, pigmentation, redness, breakouts, and scars. And it does this with zero damage, zero pain, and zero downtime. And I remember the lasers that I used to do, they did have some downtime, so this is great. Make sure to check out some of the before and after photos on the website so you can see what I'm talking about. They have YouTube videos too. But the reason it's groundbreaking is it uses that near-infrared low-level light technology, which is completely cold and painless, and it's 100 times more powerful than an LED. And the craziest part is you can even use it with a full face of makeup. So check it out for yourself. Visit lima.life. L is for live. Y is for younger. M is for masterful. A is for approved, and learn more about the Lima Laser. If you're interested in trying one today, you can sign up for their newsletter. Tell them that Food Heals sent you, and please let me know if you order one. I want to hear about your results. Again, it's lima.life, L-Y-M-A dot life. Food Heals Podcast, Episode 93. You can stop anybody on the street and ask them, you know, if red meat is associated with heart disease and they'll all say yes of course yeah steaks mm-hmm. bad for your heart everybody right. knows that right so why does the american heart association have an entire section of beef recipes on their website holistic voice presents the food heals podcast with your hosts allison melody and Susie hardy join the food heals nation and learn the secrets to go from feeling unwell to healing yourself Warning, side effects of this podcast may include increased health and vitality, thoughts of living longer, an increase in sexual activity, feelings of joy, cravings for kale and quinoa, and a spike in Tinder matches. In rare cases, women have experienced a strong desire to change their status update from hashtag blessed to hashtag OMG even more blessed than yesterday, hashtag loving life. If you experience any of these symptoms, make sure to tweet a Kardashian immediately. All right, welcome Food Heals Nation. Thanks for joining us. I'm Allison Melody. And I'm Susie Hardy. Today we're talking with Kip and Keegan, the filmmakers behind the documentary Cowspiracy. Executive produced by Leonardo DiCaprio, Cowspiracy, The Sustainability Secret, follows intrepid filmmaker Kip Anderson as he uncovers the most destructive industry facing the planet today and investigates why the world's leading environmental organizations are too afraid to talk about it. And animal agriculture is the leading cause of deforestation, water consumption, and pollution. It's responsible for more greenhouse gases than the transportation industry, which most people don't know or believe. (laughs) And it's a primary driver of rainforest destruction, species extinction, habitat loss, topsoil erosion, ocean dead zones, and virtually every other environmental ill. Yet, for some reason, which they explain in the film, but... It goes almost entirely unchallenged. As Anderson approaches leaders in the environmental movement, he increasingly uncovers what appears to be an intentional refusal to discuss the issue of animal agriculture. While industry whistleblowers and watchdogs warn him of the risks to his freedom and even his life if he dares to persist. I mean, and that's what happens in the film. It's so crazy. Everyone 
needs to watch this film. Oh, it's terribly frightening. Yeah, if you haven't seen it. I mean, it's frightening. It's funny. It's got so many ups and downs, so many good moments. It's like a roller coaster. It's like a drama unfolding right before your eyes. Um, Totally. And this was a great interview. Unfortunately, Susie had to miss this one. We missed you. Sniffle, sniffle. I know. We missed you so much. I'm so bummed. (laughs) I know, because they are such great guys, and they had so much to say. And I, I miss your comedic relief. I needed your jokes, Suze. I know, but you make it easy so I can be jokey. (laughs) Well, thank you. You do all the work. (laughs) I try. But before we get to our interview with Kip and Keegan, we just have to tell you about today's sponsor. Today's show is sponsored by Thrive Market. The mission of Thrive Market is to make healthy living easy and affordable for everyone. Thrive promises to sell only the highest quality, healthy, natural products, Always at prices 25 to 50% below retail. Always committed to sustainability and social justice. And I just love what they are doing. It's Costco meets Whole Foods. Yes, it's a membership site and it's very similar to Costco, but with the high quality natural and organic products of Whole Foods. They have an incredible array of products and the lowest prices I have ever seen. Yes, so I just placed an order. I got cleaning products lotions, shampoo and conditioner, floss, a new toothbrush. I got vitamins. I even got dog treats, Susie, like a whole bunch of stuff. And the retail cost would have been $200 at any other place. But I got the entire order. I posted on Instagram if you want to see it. I got the entire order for one oh nine. Almost That's incredible. Half, I know. <laughs> almost <laughs> almost half off. And it's all stuff I would have bought online anyway. And I just got a huge discount. So in one trip, the membership has already paid for itself. That's freaking fantastic. I know. Yes, members who shop at Thrive frequently are saving thousands every year. So that's why we are so excited to partner with Thrive and bring you an amazing discount code, Food Heals Nation. You never have to pay full price for healthy food again. Go to thrivemarket.com slash foodheals to get your three-month free membership plus 15% off your first purchase. Three months, Food Heals Nation. They told me that they usually only offer one month or two months, so we got three. Thank you, Thrive. (laughs) So start shopping now and save on your favorite natural, wholesome products delivered straight to your door for free. That is thrivemarket.com slash foodheals. And don't forget to join our active private community on Facebook at foodhealsgroup.com. Ever had a health question that you just can't find the answer to? Yes. Then... You have? (laughs) Then this group is for you. We are a group of caring, supportive individuals who want to make the world a healthier place by starting with ourselves. So today we're going to shout out some of our most active posters. Food Heals Nation, shout out to Erin Persinger, who has been really active in posting questions and supportive comments. And we're just very excited for her healing journey. And Erin, just let us know how we can support you. Totally. Shout out to Maura Knowles from More Salicious, who created the vegan line Mac and Moe's More Salicious Treats for Dad, Mac, heart patient, and diabetic. I mean, I love the family connection. She created it for him. That's awesome. That's amazing. And thanks, Maura, for being just a super active community member. You post a lot. We really appreciate it. And a shout out to Chris McPeak. She gives great advice for runners and swimmers, and she's been an active member since the beginning. She was even one of our first original swag bag winners. Yes, I love her enthusiasm. Thank you, Chris. Join the Facebook group at foodhealsgroup.com, and maybe you'll get a shout out from us. Yes. Next up, our interview with Kip and Keegan, the filmmakers behind the documentary Cowspiracy, The Sustainability Secret. The Food Hills Podcast starts now. Do you think there should be any concern of us making this documentary? Of course. If you don't realize right now that you're putting your neck on the chopping block, you know, you, you better take that camera and throw it away. There is one single industry destroying the planet more than any other. But environmental organizations don't want to address it. It's an environmental disaster that's being ignored by the very people who should be championing. It's the leading cause of global warming, water depletion, deforestation, species extinction, and ocean dead zones. Let's look at the fundamental problem here. No one wants to talk about it. Because they're, they're membership organizations, you know, a lot of them. They're looking to maximize the number of people making contributions. 
the leading cause of environmental degradation is. Um, we uh, need to address that as well. It's not up to the Department of Water Resources. Hard to actually target like one thing. I, I don't necessarily know what it is. There's suppression and mismanagement of information everywhere it abounds. It starts at the local level, but then it goes all the way to Congress. When you consider the devastation it's having on our planet as well as the oceans. And we're in the middle of the largest mass extinction of species in 65 million years. And they can dictate the federal policies because they have so much political power. And one of the largest industries on the planet with the biggest environmental impact trying to keep us in the dark about how it's operating. That's the one thing no one talks about. You know, everybody goes around that. Unfortunately, we are no longer able to fund your film project. We had a meeting, and due to the growing controversial subject matter, we have some concerns that we have to pull out. You're going up against people that have massive legal resources, and you have nothing. A lot of people just keep their mouth shut because they don't want to be the next one with the bullet to their head. I don't know that I would want to comment on that. All right, that was the trailer to Cowspiracy, which has been called as eye-opening as Blackfish and as inspiring as An Inconvenient Truth, both amazing films. This shocking yet humorous documentary reveals the absolutely devastating environmental impact large-scale factory farming has on our planet, and it offers a path to global sustainability for our growing population. And to discuss the film, we've got Keegan, an award-winning documentary filmmaker and professional musician living in the East Bay of San Francisco. He has worked with nonprofit organizations and has been involved in social justice movements for virtually his entire life. Keegan is motivated by a deep desire to shed light on untold stories of the most downtrodden in our society and to raise awareness through greater visibility of social justice issues. I love that. We've also got Kip. He's the founder of AUM Films and Media. It's a 501c3 nonprofit focused on creating films and media that promote thriveability, compassion, and harmony for all life. He's also an entrepreneur as well as a certified, I cannot say this word, Jiva, Jiva Mukti. Jiva Mukti. It's from New you. York. Okay, Susie, you should have had that line. Jiva and, Mukti. <laughs> Jiva Mukti and Kundalini Yoga teacher, who also lives in San Francisco. I hope you enjoy this interview. Welcome, Kip and Keegan. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thanks so much for having us. We are so glad to have you. I can't tell you how many of our guests, sometimes we answer, we ask them questions and they're like, you know what, just watch Cowspiracy because they're going to have a better answer than I will right now, you know? <laughs> um, so your film is really changing people's lives and it's so informative and it's funny, yet it's shocking, it's devastating, but at the same time, it's inspirational. I don't know how you did it. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. That was definitely the the mission, you know, was we wanted to have something at the end that could be could be a tool that people could use to to inform others and educate others. Um, but we, it definitely had to be uplifting and, and inspiring because, you know, the situation is so dark and it's, it's so disturbing, but there is, there is light. Yeah, there definitely is. And you did a great job of that. It's like almost like a drama, like a narrative film where you're hanging on to every moment, like you're up, you're down, you're up, you're down. It's really well done. So why don't you guys just tell us each a little bit about yourselves and what your role in the film was? Well, I mean, essentially, when you see the film, that essentially followed my story. The only difference is that it kind of happened, a lot of it happened around seven years ago when I found out all the information about animal agriculture, raising animals for food did to the planet. I found out pretty much everything all at once, the ethics of it that I couldn't, uh, you know, of course, bear. But then right around the same exact time, I found out about the environmental impact. And then I started contacting these organizations because that was really, I mean, that's really the thrust and almost the inspiration in a bizarre way, more than even information in itself. Because I know there were certain films that had the information and you could find it online. But it's the fact that these environmental groups that we really look up to, that I looked up to, and, you know, I give Sierra Club money to protect the wolves without ever realizing why the wolves are, are being decimated. Right. Um, and it's their silence that was that the motivation. But it, you know, it took a long time. Had the had the idea for the project and the film for a long time. And then, you know, and really took teaming up with Keegan to really finally really make it happen. So And Keegan, what was your role in the film? 
I really kind of came in on as the from the technical background of director of photography and having worked on feature films before and just lending that aspect and then working with Kip on the story. But, you know, we did really, Kip and I are co-directors, co-writers, co-producers, co-editors. I mean, we did everything side by side through that, the whole process. That's awesome. How great to have a partner that just gets your vision and working together. You know, Susie's not here today, but if I didn't have her, like you, you, when you have a team, you can get so much more accomplished and you can have someone to bounce ideas off of and really see your vision. So I love that. I think it's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, we definitely, it's like we, we have unique uh, strengths and we, we feed off each other's strengths and and I think it just builds a, a much stronger film. Absolutely. So were you friends prior to this? Had you worked together? How did you guys meet? Really, it was good timing because Keegan just wrapped up one of his films that became a, a film film, uh, the Turlock. And I was at the same time, I was fooling around with the idea and it just never really took off. And then it was literally once we teamed up, we sat down with an outline. It was 10 months from the day we sat down and, and, and mapped this out from the get-go. It was finished. So, you know, I'm sure we've met each other in a past live or many, and, mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, it, was, it was definitely meant to be. That's cool. So I know in the film you talk about how you started by watching An Inconvenient Truth and that really opened your eyes. And then can you just tell our listeners, for anyone who hasn't seen the film, what the premise is, what happens next, and what you really discovered? Uh, well, you know, like most of us, we think we're doing everything right by, say, biking more, taking quick showers or this and that. If you think you're an environmentalist, recycling is a huge one. Just all these little things that you hear, again, these environmental groups tell us and then you hear things to do, especially right now in California where you're driving down the freeway and huge billboards are saying don't water your lawns or be aware of your water when they don't mention anything about about your diet. And so it took... Essentially, one post where I found out about the impacts of raising home for food livestock had on greenhouse gases, human-caused greenhouse gases, that it was more than all transportation put together. And then that was just kind of a domino effect. I'm like, what? What is going on? And then that's the thing. These weren't even deep, buried information from Google. This Mm -hmm. is something that anyone can find out. And that's what's so disturbing about these environmental groups. So it really just kind of just just took off from there. It absolutely is disturbing. And I have a short story as well. I was at an event in Los Angeles. And like you said, there are signs everywhere. You know, you drive through Beverly Hills and there's no more green grass because they say, oh, we can't water the grass because we're in a drought. And they're saying, take shorter showers and don't use your sprinklers and all these things. I was at an event and James Cameron was presenting an award for a sustainable business. And he said into the microphone, kind of went off on a little tangent. And I loved what he said he said everywhere you go in LA they're telling you to stop you know using water take shorter showers he goes excuse my french he goes fuck that stop eating meat and it was like mic drop walked off the stage everyone was cheering it was like such a great moment because it's like people are getting it yes like that's it and and Cameron is just such a huge champion of this I mean he's an environmentalist you know to the truest sense and he gets it yeah and yeah, he's actually advocating for people to change their diet because it, you know no other lifestyle choice comes anywhere close to the impact of changing your diet, removing animal products from your diet. I mean, you could switch to a hybrid car and it doesn't even have the same impact of just removing beef from your diet. You could put solar panels on your home and it still don't have the impact that removing animal products from your diet. So it's it's again the biggest thing and it's the biggest thing that's ignored. I mean, NRDC did their five things you can do to save the planet for Earth Day. And that was, you know, change your light bulb and turn the water off and you brush your teeth. No mention of, like, mm-hmm. decreased the amount of meat you eat, which is literally the biggest thing anybody can do. So it, it's a disturbing aspect of the environmental movement. But things are changing because people are hungry for this information. And I think our film really shows that, that consumers and supporters of the environmental movement are waking up and they're hungry for real solutions. And from the large environmental Groups, we don't get real solutions. We get donate now or, you know, write to your congressman. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, for me, doesn't feel like a solution. I want a tangible thing I can do. And when I realize that three times a day I can make a difference to the planet, that's that's empowering. And I think that's something that more and more environmentalists are embracing is that they want to feel empowered that they can make a difference. And, And we all can. I love that so much. Three times a day you can make a difference because it's about what's on your plate, right? Exactly. Exactly. So true. So why, what is the reason? Why aren't these environmental organizations that we've put our trust into, why aren't they talking about what is really going on? 
Well, it's not really just one answer. It's multiple. A big, I'd say the biggest over all of them is it's not, what these environmental groups essentially have is they have win campaigns. That's what you see promoted on the websites and um, you know, even in social media. You'll see Greenpeace do this victim hero type of program where you, know, you can do something not necessarily abstract but against a, a dam on the, on the other side of the world or against fossil fuels, say no against fossil fuels. But what does that really mean? But it's very popular because if I say no and I sign this petition, I'm donating to them, then it's a win campaign. And they have all sorts of metrics, especially nowadays with the internet, of return on investment. So they put a certain amount of money into these campaigns and what do they get back from it? How, you know, how many donors do they get back from it? How much money, how much donations do they get back? And they found out, I think a huge one is that Telling people that they have a huge environmental impact by what they put on their plate, people don't want to hear that because that's too literal. Things that are a little more abstract and removed and disjointed from what we are, that's a win campaign. So since the making of the film, we've found even probably more disturbing stuff of, of marketing data that shows that they use this marketing data again of saying that telling people to not eat animal products to say essentially go vegan or vegetarian is a huge environmental impact concluded that it's not a win campaign so it's best to just not do it at all and then another huge aspect is a lot of these people on the board of directors and even some of the presidents and the very, very higher ups, they are actually eating animal products. They're eating meat and dairy. So, right. you know, imagine the American Lung Association, if they're smoking around the lunch table and then by putting out media to not smoke, yet they're doing the same thing. So they realize it's a hypocrisy as well that they have to internally enforce this with amongst themselves. That's another thing. And another part is, again, back to money. A lot of the biggest donors and the biggest you know, people on some of the boards, they, eat, they either eat meat or they're part of the industry. Some of the industry have infiltrated these organizations and they sit on the board or they'll, they'll do individual, individual funding uh, donations and they don't want to essentially piss them off. So it's a mixture of all sorts of things. Yeah. I mean, there's also the political aspect. You know, you can look back in the 90s when Howard Lyman and Oprah Winfrey were sued by, you know, t Texas cattlemen for speaking about mad cow disease in the U.S. meat supply. And they were sued. And, you know, this is Oprah Winfrey, the biggest name in entertainment at the time, at least. Mm -hmm. And they fought it for years, for, you know, for this, you know, food libel laws. They ultimately, they won. But I think that resonates through society and that people are concerned that, you know, if you say anything bad about this industry, you're going to be handed a lawsuit and it doesn't matter how big you are. And then we have, you know, laws like the ag-gag law to make it illegal to document the atrocities being committed by these farms against animals or the environment in about 13 states. And then we have federal laws like the Animal Enterprise Terrorism Act that make it a felony. It's considered, you're considered a terrorist for disrupting the business of an animal enterprise. So these are, you know, these crazy laws that don't benefit consumers in any way. And I think that could play a part in why these organizations aren't talking. But Again, it's like we, we should be more concerned about what happens if we don't speak up than what happens if we do speak up. But go back to, sorry, to going back to what Kip was saying about wind campaigns, the amazing thing is you have an organization like the Center for Biological Diversity, and they launched a campaign called Take Extinction Off Your Plate, where they encourage people to eliminate or decrease their animal consumption to help biodiversity of species, and they've actually seen an increase in donors. So it, it's been proven to be a wind campaign because, again, people want solutions. And you know the funny thing is, is that we we don't say in the film, and we never even told these organizations that they had to tell people to go vegan because they say, well, we don't dictate behavior. It's just put the information out there. Just allow yeah. people to make up their own minds. Where it's let them know, you know, the leading cause of rainforest destruction is animal agriculture. Leading source of water pollution is animal agriculture. Leading source of water consumption is animal agriculture. And, you know, on and on and on. Let people understand the the comparisons against other industries, and then let them make up their own minds. Absolutely. And I think you guys did a great job of that because it doesn't feel like you are pushing your agenda. It really feels like an exploration of truth. And I really appreciate that because there are other gotcha films and journalists out there that don't do that. And so really it's about educating and informing so that people can make their own choice. And the way that you present the information, they're probably going to make the right choice. And I can't tell you how many people have come on the show or have posted in our Food Heals Nation Facebook group about how either your film or prior to your film Forks Over Knives, one of those two films made them change their lives, made them start eating plants, made them go vegan. It's very, very powerful. 
That's great. Yeah, I mean, it's, it has been incredible to see how many people the film has resonated with, and it continues to grow. I mean, in our the first month that Cowspiracy went up on Netflix, which was a, just a whole amazing journey in itself, having Leonardo DiCaprio come on as executive producer and taking the mm-hmm. film to Netflix for us. But in that first month, we had 20,000 people sign up for the 30-Day Vegan Challenge, which is on our website, which is just incredible. Wow. I mean, we had just last month, we had another 10,000 people sign up for it. So it really is, it's people are inspired by it and they want to make a difference. And and thankfully they all can. I think that's amazing. Congratulations, you guys. I have to ask celebrity gossip. How did Leonardo DiCaprio get involved? Did he discover you guys? Did you reach out to him? How did that happen? It actually has made from that we've heard kind of made the, I guess we call it the Hollywood rounds, but way back, way about a year before that even happened is that I believe Darren Aronofsky, mm-hmm. Darren Aronofsky, the director, who's actually ironically Keegan and I is one of our favorite directors mm-hmm. and editors. He got a hold of the film. I believe it might have been through PETA, but somehow he was watching the film. I guess the story goes while during the middle of while he was watching it, he is working on a documentary with Leonardo. And he stopped it and actually called him and said, hey, you have got to watch this film. So he watched it right away and then was blown away. I mean, you can only imagine Leonardo DiCaprio supports most of these organizations, yet he didn't know most of this information. So wow, one of the most shocked persons ever <laughs> to a personal, really personal level was him to watch it. And then uh, a day or two, or I think the very next day, they contacted us and said, oh, you know, Leo's blown away by the film. He wants to take it to Netflix. And he personally called them to set this up and then it took about a year from there because we had to work with his lawyers to make sure our sources in the film are so rock solid because he's putting his name to it and so when Mm -hmm. people ever question the data they need to know that there's been multiple multiple lawyers for an entire year comb through this film so the the data if anything we say yeah it might be a little bit off and if it's a little bit off it's because it's conservative it's actually worse than it appears in the film wow. because we want it to be on the low end yeah so we, we actually yeah we re-edited the film and really all we did was just update it with more statistics and more information because sadly in the time between the film premiering 2014 and it going up on Netflix, the situation has gotten worse. Mm. And then just as Kip said, all of our numbers in the film are conservative. So when we say it takes 2,500 gallons of water to produce a pound of beef, well, that's actually a conservative figure. We have, you know, studies from, you know, Stanford that put it at closer to 8,000 gallons. So again, it's an, and every single thing, the, the film is based on science. You know, Kip and I aren't, aren't scientists, we're filmmakers. And so right. we're, basing this off of actual research. So the vast majority of the information that's in the film comes from the USDA, the EPA, the USGS, United Nations, and it's all sourced on our website. So anyone who's interested, they can go to cowspiracy.com. They can see the original studies, the original statistics, and the sources for all of that information. Yeah, I'm on it right now. It's cowspiracy.com slash facts, and the facts are shocking. So you're telling me right now that it's even worse than some of these facts. And, you know, we're in a lot of trouble, and it's scary. It is. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I didn't want to go negative, but I mean, it's like every minute, 7 million pounds of excrement are produced by animals raised for food in the U.S., which doesn't even include animals raised outside of USDA jurisdiction or in backyards. And so one of the things that you go into in the film is that it's actually, actually, I'm not going to say, I'm going to let you say it. What's more sustainable, to have a backyard farm and feed your neighbors in your neighborhood or to have factory farming? You know, it's, it's interesting because if you look at a lot of the environmental groups and, and pretty much the larger green movement, they would say local is the most important thing, right. getting food locally. And so raising backyard chickens or rabbits is the most sustainable thing. But all you have to do is look at the simple feed conversion ratio. So if an animal, when they eat a pound of food, that doesn't turn into a pound of flesh or a pound of eggs or a pound of milk. That is, most of it is just used up in, you know, living their lives. So you could take a, a chicken, for example, that's four pounds of food to, of grain, that's human edible grain, to produce one pound of meat that's loaded with cholesterol and you know, dioxins and all kinds of terrible stuff. And so it's vastly more efficient, whether it's you're growing vegetables in conventional or in a backyard than to feed animals. But the interesting thing is that the grass-fed myth, you know, there's just this huge thing that people will say to us all the time, they'll go, oh, well, you know, before they see the film, oh, well, I only eat grass-fed beef, which 
first off is often a joke because they're not taking consideration that they had a cheeseburger from McDonald's for lunch, which mm-hmm. is definitely not grass-fed. <laughs> but that grass-fed is actually worse for the planet than factory farms because of just efficiency. So a grass-fed cow takes 10 to 100 times more land to be raised to slaughter weight than a factory farmed animal. And the reason for that is it's just more efficient to keep an animal in confinement and feed them grains, which produce higher yields than grass do. But when you clear you know, 10 to 100 acres for one grass-fed cow, that means you've lost all the ability of that land to sequester carbon when it was originally forest. That means that the wildlife that used to live there have to be pushed off or hunted or killed because they're competing for resources. I mean, it's just on and on and on. And in fact, actually, grass-fed cows produce more methane than grain-fed cows because the animals are designed to eat grass, and so they break it down more efficiently, and so it breaks down into more and more methane, which is you know just terrible for the, the atmosphere. But the big thing, the big thing is land use, is that mm-hmm. 45% of the world's ice-free land is used for raising animals for food, which is just unbelievable. I mean, it's the largest source of human use of land in the world, more than any other industry. You know, to put it in perspective, developed cities, urban areas make up less than 2% of the world's ice-free land that's been that's been developed mm-hmm. so you know first it's 45 percent just for raising animals for food and then you know there's this incredible there's a study that came out last year from the university of illinois and climate healers that showed that if we removed livestock from grasslands that were formerly forests and allowed the forest to come back we'd be able to sequester more carbon than we've admitted to the atmosphere since the industrial era began which is just unbelievable at tree maturity so in 25 30 years we would be able to literally halt climate change and that's not everyone going vegan that's just removing livestock from grasslands and allowing the forest to come back so grass-fed is not the solution in any way and it's so sad because you know before i saw the film i was of the camp that i was already vegan i was already on your side But I did think, you know, well, if it's grass fed and my friends eat it, I'm not going to judge them, you know, and I still don't judge people. But I didn't realize how unsustainable it was and what a problem it was until your film. Because from an animal activist point of view, grass fed is better because then the animals aren't caged and they're not kept in horrible living conditions. And, you know, the abuse that goes on, I could, everyone knows the story, I'm not going to go into it. But from an environmental point of view, factory farming is better. And that's a terrible thing to say, because I do not believe in factory farming for a second. So you have to look at it from a holistic approach, you know, like you look at your health, mind, body, spirit, you have to look at it from the environmental factors for your own health factors and from the animal activist factors. And all of these are unsustainable. All of these are not going to work as we move forward and for our children and our children's children. Right. And for factory farm, actually, on an ethical point, factory farm is only pretty much only worse for the cows. Let's stick to cows. It's way worse for the cows, but for all the other wildlife, the wolves, the uh, the whole wild horses, the bears, the coyotes, the pumas, the cougars, then it's better because it only takes around two acres per one cow in a factory farm. Cows live a miserable life, but the entire planet's not destroyed where they live. But then you take cows out in the open, sure, it's better for the cows, but an ethical point now in, say, for example, 2014, 2.4 million wild animals were killed. A lot of them were gunned down by, like, helicopters from um, aerial shooting, and that included around 60,000 coyotes, over 500 wolves, over 500 bears and, and cougars, and the list goes on and on. So even from an ethical animal side, Factory farm overall is better, but definitely not for the cows. So, and that's what's frustrating is a lot of times uh, you, people say, oh, it's a film about factory farming where <laughs> we don't even really mention factory farming in the yeah. film. We skip that because most people already know about it. But Yeah, yeah. But, you know, it's it, your point is exactly right. And it's like I didn't real, I had no idea what was going on with the wolves. Like you said, you didn't either. And when you made the film, you know, and I had no idea what was going on with the animal activists like Dorothy and those type of people. I mean, that was all brand new information to someone like me who considers themselves pretty up to date and educated. So the film was just shocking. Can you talk a little bit about what else is going on in terms of besides the factory farming like you just alluded to and what's going on with the wolves and things like that? Yeah, I mean, the leading cause of species extinction around the world is animal agriculture. And again, the reason for that is that they clear native habitat to make room to graze livestock or goats or sheep, or they're clearing it to 
grow crops to feed those animals. And when you clear an ecosystem, that means all the native plants go with it and then all the native animals that depend on it. And so like going to the American West here, we have wild horses. There's 50,000 wild horses in federal holding facilities. These are federally protected animals that have been rounded up off of public lands because they compete with for grass that the cows eat. And so the ranchers don't like it. And so the ranchers tell the government, you know, you need to take these cows off. And this is land that we own that, Mm -hmm. you know, as the U.S. people are leasing to these ranchers, and yet they call the shots. And this is grass-fed. You know, this is the and this is grass-fed that ends up in Whole Foods. You know, so when people buy their ethical choice grass-fed beef from Whole Foods. It's like, well, that's the leading cause of why wild horses are being rounded up. So the leading cause of why wolves are being shot. I mean, when Idaho takes wolves off the endangered species list and allows people to hunt them, it's not because there's a fear of wolves attacking people. There's been one reported attack of wolves on human beings in the United States in 250 years. Oh. But but wolves do attack cows because, you know, the cows are easy, easy to attack, but it's also because the cows compete with native wildlife like elk and deer. And so there's, those numbers are fewer. So I mean, this whole thing just comes back to what we decide to eat every single day. And, and really, you know, where do we want to put our money? Do we want to support an industry that is perpetuating the slaughter of incredible animals like wolves and, you know, and obviously the beautiful cows and all the other farmed animals? Or do we want to put our money into, you know, businesses that we actually believe in and that are doing more sustainable business practices? Absolutely. So what has been the response since the film came out? How has it been received? Are you getting mostly negative, mostly positive? Do you feel like the movement is happening? Tell us what is going on now. It's been extremely positive. We were definitely scared when the film, right when the film came out, and it wasn't wasn't really exaggerating when we interviewed Howard Lyman and yeah, you know, it shows just me, but it was Keegan and I went through a phase during filming where it was really scary, and we had to hide the infra, uh, make whole entire backups of the film, send them to a friend, hide them, and didn't know what was going to happen when the film came out. And surprisingly enough, it's just been just. It's almost as if the industry, their industry, and my culture industry knew this was eventually going to come out. Yeah. And they weren't even necessarily surprised, but the, the amount of support has just been phenomenal. And, and again, I, I, that's how the film ends is this shift is already happening is really true. You know, I, I believe around 2012, we, the whole globe entered this new shift in, I don't know what you want to call it, or, uh, transformation, the next level of evolution or whatever, where you just can't hide the truth anymore. And it's right now at the point with social media and the internet, we are really excelling in where we are as a species of information and wisdom, and now we're actualizing on it. And that's why over the next two, three, four, five years, you're going to see more change and transformation than we have in the last 50 to hundreds of years. And that goes by so many different standards. And this is, this is I think, one of them leading the way, you know, stopping eating animals. It's, we're going to look back in five, ten years and say, wow, I can't believe, you know, this was as obvious – 10 years ago, as inconvenient truth was to us now, where at the time that was even controversial and so groundbreaking, where, you know, people try to argue the information in cowspiracy, you know, we just see truth will tell, truth will, time and truth will tell what the truth is. And in 10 to 20 years, this is going to be so obvious and we can't believe we ever ate animal flesh and the secretions out of an animal of another species that we're well on our way. So, so I'm pretty optimistic. No, I'm so glad. And, you know, I feel the same way. I'm always telling people like one day, maybe when I'm a grandma, it's going to be like, remember when people tortured and killed animals to eat? Oh, my God, they were so crazy. Remember when women's breasts were maimed in the name of a cure for cancer? That was so crazy. Like it's going to be looked at like these were ancient times that we're currently living in. Like, you know, we were producing massive amounts of poison to our citizens. And now we're not doing that anymore because we've become enlightened or something. I look forward to that day. And I hope that it happens in all of our lifetimes. Yeah, what's fun is you and I'm sure you're all at the forefront. It already is happening. You know, it's not like you have to look very far where even two, three, four, five years ago, it was a little tough to find. Now you just see it everywhere. You know, it's where it's it's so nice, especially if someone say on the realm of say veganism or even banned animal rights, just pure ethics. It was always on the weird side, the losing side, that just you know it's never going to get here. Where now it's seen as you know the cool thing, the hip thing, the conscious thing. It's the winning side, and it just feels so good for so many people to finally see this time come, and it just again happening so fast 
fast when you look when you look at it. So No, you're so right because I was juicing 10 years ago, green juice, orange juice, red juice. Like I always had these funny looking juices. I would carry them around with me. I would take them to wherever I was working and I would be made fun of like what is that orange concoction you've got over there? Well, it's carrot juice. And now I'm a stereotypical blonde girl with her green juice going to her yoga class. Okay, but I was doing it before it was cool. So it is changing. I appreciate you saying that. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> All right, Food Heals Nation. We'll be right back with Kip and Keegan to talk about their brand new film, What the Health? Food Heals Nation, if you're like us, you care a lot about the food that you put into your body because you know that food heals. The problem is that good, healthy food can be extremely expensive, but it doesn't have to be. That's why we were thrilled to discover Thrive Market. ThriveMarket.com is like the Costco for everything healthy online. That's right. It's an online shopping club offering the best brands and groceries up to 50% off retail prices. Ship nationally for free. They have brands that I buy all the time like Simply Organic, Garden of Life, Dr. Bronner's, Tom's, Nutiva, 7th Generation, Gaia, and so many more. So basically everything I'm already buying at Whole Foods, right? Exactly, but at 25 to 50% off. And you can easily filter everything by your preferences. Gluten-free, vegan, raw, non-GMO, organic, and even fair trade. But what I love most about Thrive Market is their charitable cause. For every paid membership, ThriveMarket.com donates a free membership to a low-income family, a teacher, or a military family. How awesome is that? This is a game-changer, Food Heals Nation, because you never have to pay full price for healthy foods again. That's why we scored an exclusive discount for you. Yes, so check out Thrive Market and get two months free membership plus 15% off your first order. Join the movement at thrivemarket.com slash foodheals. You're listening to the Food Heals Podcast. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes. Okay, we're back with Kip and Keegan, and we're going to hear all about their new film. This film is being called A Combination of Forks Over Knives and Cowspiracy on Steroids. So guys, tell us about your new film, What the Health. So What the Health picks up really where Cowspiracy leads off. It's looking at the link between diet and disease and why it's really overlooked by many of the large health organizations. You know, we all, you can stop anybody on the street and ask them, you know, if red meat is associated with heart disease and they'll all say, yes, of course. Yeah. Steak's bad for your heart. Everybody knows that, right? So why does the American Heart Association have an entire section of beef recipes on their website? Why do they have (laughs) recipes on their website? I mean, that's just the tip of the iceberg. So it's a film. Again, we just, we, while we were doing research on Cowspiracy, we realized there was a whole other story there. And it just naturally came to that we decided, hey, this is another massive, massive story that needs to have the lid blown off of it. Wait, the American Heart Association has recipes with beef on its website, like promoting it as a health food. There's not only one page, it's almost like... (laughs) 10 pages. If you go to their their heart healthy recipes and type in beef, you will get about 10 pages of recipes. And again, that's just the tip. I mean, we could go on and on of the American Diabetes Association, American Cancer, and the Susan G. Komen of these ties and what you see on these websites. And, you know, we're almost finished with this. And just a few days ago, we uncovered another one. I was like, are you kidding me? You cannot believe these things. And then you find out. You know, very similar to Cowspiracy of what's the motive, you know, and then you yeah. see the links and you see the ties. But then so it's a film on health, but it's not only the health, our personal health. It's a health on our entire community, on our entire healthcare system. You know, the movie was going to be called Secondhand Eating, which we use that term in Cowspiracy because what you eat is like secondhand smoking. What you eat affects someone else. Yeah. And was, you know, say a few years ago, you know, don't tell me or you are to preach being not eating animals has nothing to do. You do what you want to do. I do what I want to do. Way well, of course that affects the animals, but not only does it affect the environment, which Cowspiracy shows, it also affects your tax dollars, where your tax dollars are going, where the healthcare system as a whole is going. It absolutely affects if someone else is doing something. It affects me in the same way the environment does the healthcare system. So we, it's a full spectrum film on health and every angle to look at it, and also the health of when. These factory farms in particular 
are at a community such as, what's the city called? North Carolina? Duplin County. Yeah, Duplin, North Carolina. And essentially, they're calling North Carolina in a state of emergency because the most beautiful state where my dad lives is getting... That's where I'm from. I'm from Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Oh, wow, nice. Uh, Wolf. It's so sad (laughs) because, as you know, it's just full of rivers. Yeah. And, you know, I grew up in Virginia and yeah. you can't you can't swim in the rivers. You can't swim in this the most beautiful. I think with the most beautiful top three in the entire country, and and I again I get passionate and go into it. But it's an environmental impact, but it's a health impact too of the locals who live next to there. Who every single one of the people they know and their sisters and relatives need and their little kids. They have everything from asthma to cancer to heart disease, mm-hmm. and they all die in their you know thirties and forties. So we explore that as well. It's just really powerful. Oh my God, Kip, I had no idea this was happening. I'm getting chills and I want to look it up right now, but this is going to be in the film, right? Yeah, we have an entire section. Again, as Kip was saying, it goes way beyond personal health. It's looking at the health of communities and, you know, look at the incidence of uh, MRSA infections, you know, these antibiotic uh, resistant infections around people who live near factory farms. I mean, so North Carolina, you know, has, has 10 million hogs. It's just incredible. Yeah. And they produce waste, you know, 10 times yeah. more than humans. So that's, a, that's the equivalent of 100 million people defecating. And none of that waste is treated. It's pumped out into lagoons. It's pumped onto fields. It runs off into rivers. It causes these massive fish kills. I mean, it's just terrible. And then the human health implications are massive as well. So, I mean, then we, I mean, the film, just like Cowspiracy, goes down so many different paths. It looks at the link of government. It looks at the link of laws and lobbying power. It looks at the, the connection to the pharmaceutical industry. There's just so many aspects of this. And, and I, you know, I think the really that what the health, which if people are interested, they can check the film out at whatthehealthfilm.com. Definitely. We've got our trailer up there. I think it's going to really shake people up more than even Cowspiracy because it's so personal. And, and who who doesn't know somebody who has been affected by heart disease or cancer or diabetes? I mean, one in three deaths in the world is from heart disease. It's, it's almost impossible not to know somebody who's been affected by it. But then, you know, again, it deals with the positive and the, that there is another option and that there is light and that we don't have to die from these chronic diseases. And that, in fact, they're not even really chronic diseases. They're diseases of, of habit. Yeah. And we can change our habits and we can really save ourselves and our family and our loved ones and our entire communities. I completely agree. And I'm, I still have chills. I'm so excited about this film. I can't even tell you guys. So I worked on a documentary here in California where just outside of, I live in Los Angeles and, you know, two, two and a half hours away is Coachella where everyone goes for the music festival. But what they have no idea what's going on right now in the backyard of Coachella is all the farm workers that are being slowly poisoned, just like the North Carolina thing, but from their arsenic in their water. And these things are going on slowly and secretly all across the U.S., from California to North Carolina, all the way in between. And it takes someone like you guys to expose the truth, someone like Aaron Brockovich to expose this. You know, we all saw what's going on in Flint, Michigan is finally being exposed. How long are we going to let these things go on, you know? And how many of our loved ones are we going to lose before we start making the policy changes at the grassroots level all the way to big government to make the changes that we need to make? I'm sorry I'm ranting, but I just love what you guys are doing. It's so important. Well, thank you. But I mean, it's exactly that and then the change is happening people are waking up and and i think we are we're in a whole new era of information and and empowerment people people are realizing their power and they're taking it back absolutely so food heals nation take your power back vote with your dollar vote with what's on your plate every single day so kip and keegan i would love to talk about fundraising because a lot of our Food Heals Nation are entrepreneurs, they're business people, they're filmmakers too. And so how did you raise funds? Because I know your fundraising goal for What the Health has quadrupled from what you originally started with. And you started with Cowspiracy where you're financing, your person backed out. So how did you discover this world of online financing and Indiegogo and and how did you do it? Well, honestly, with Cowspiracy, it was... It was such a treat. It was, I mean, we didn't, we didn't really plan it to be that successful, honestly. We 
had a goal, and that was even a stretch goal. It was going to be half of that. I think our initial goal of Cowspiracy was 54. We'd be happy with whatever. So one thing is that's a cool thing about Indiegogo is that Indiegogo, if you don't meet you, reach your goal, you still get your money back, just a slightly less percentage, whereas Kickstarter, if you don't meet your goal, you don't get any of it. Right. So that's actually one tip that luckily we did because we almost did Kickstarter until we found that out. Um, and then tapping into – the community of passionate people, uh, you know, it is fortunate that vegans and people affected by the environment are the most passionate group there is. You know, they're probably top two or three social groups that are so passionate and it just spoke to people. So, uh, again, we were, we were blown away. We didn't expect it. And just using social media with Cowspiracy and the success of that leads into What the Health and then it goes into making a compelling trailer yeah, I mean, I think it's it's really it's the the community. I think we're in this new age of media too, where it's it's democratized. You know, before to get a film out into the world, you had to have the backing of you know major distribution companies or production companies, and it was you know only a few films ever saw the light of day. Which now with the internet, I mean, we're self distributed. You know, our film is on VHX, which we handle ourselves. We do DVD distribution ourselves. You know, we're on Netflix, which we essentially handled ourselves with the help of, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio. And you don't need the big, you know, industry that the way that you used to to get a film out into the world. So it's really exciting for that. But it's the sense of community. You know, I think that's one of the things that has made our campaign successful is that people are getting involved and that they can be part of this and that we're all doing this together. That this is this is an entire community of people working together to get something out into the world. And also like with tips on just in, in general for fundraising, doing a fundraising, say an Indigo campaign, is you, far, you find out who your target market is and you can really, really narrow down, especially nowadays with all the metrics. So Facebook, Facebook advertising, you can narrow down the age group within five years and exactly what they type in, what they like. So say it's yoga, you're, you're selling something for yoga and you type in a certain demographic, female of this age, they have a few yoga pages that they like da, 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 da. so targeted really well through that that helps immensely too and then you just push it out towards that very focused target group that always helps when you know who your audience is yeah i used to be scared of the facebook ads but they're so effective and at this point facebook knows me so well i click on every ad because i'm like yes you get me you know me <laughs> <laughs> and it's probably scary it's probably not a good thing but they're doing something right <laughs> Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's interesting, though, because I come from the same sort of place, and I'm definitely conspiratorial-minded and paranoid. Right. <laughs> Me too. Uh, but it's it's interesting. It's like, you know, using the master's tools to implement change, and we've seen it. And and we're, you know, we're very selective over the technology that, that we use to advocate for the film. But, you know, it's the appropriate technology to use what's appropriate. And crowdfunding, I had huge resistance to because it felt weird. And it's like, ah, oh, we're asking people for money. But it's incredible how many people thank us. They said, I, you know, thank you so much for making this film that I could support. They, they want to do something. They want to give back. So the whole idea with crowdfunding, too, is that this is – you're giving people the opportunity to be involved. And I think that's the biggest thing. And with What the Health, we've had, what, 2,500 people or more support our campaign, which is just incredible. And so that's – 2,500 people who literally played a hand in getting this film to see the light of day. And what's cool is with, I mean, special with these films is that it really has nothing to do with us. And I think people realize that we're, it's just such a huge message that we're just one tool for, and everyone else is part of that tools to getting this out there. So when something's bigger than all of us together, everyone wants to be a part of it. And, you know, Keegan and I are just one step of, step of this entire process. So, and, and that's what feels good too. To making it. <laughs> yeah, everyone wants to be a part of this community that's making change. I think it's amazing. So let's just quickly, before we get off with you guys, let's go through some of the perks. If Food Heals Nation wants to be involved, you can go to indiegogo.com slash projects, what dash the dash health, or just search it in Google. It'll come right up. So you have perks that people can be involved with from $10 to $50,000. So you got deep pockets, you can be an executive producer, you got 10 bucks, you can still be a part of the film. Can you tell us some of your perks and, and some of the best, your favorites that people can claim? Well, great one. He's like, you say you can have $10. A lot of people want to see this film before the mass majority of it because we're still not sure exactly how we're releasing it. We might do another grassroots 
release or through TUG, individual theatrical screenings. We might do full theatrical run. We're not sure. But in the realm of the big picture of everyone seeing it, they're going to be able to see it before. So even if you donate $10, it helps immensely and you get to watch it before anyone. So that's a huge bonus. But then a really popular one is the $108 one. And you actually get your name or your loved one's name. Or even if it's a pet, you get your name in the credits. And um, so you're actually kind of, in a way, one of the producers of the film too. I love that. So you could donate it to someone, maybe someone you've lost or someone that you care about. Or if you just want like a credit, then you can put your name on there. That's great. Yeah, it's really cool. And, and people, you know, love that because again, they want to, they know that these films, you know, they know it better than we know it, <laughs> that they, these films will be historic. And so they want to have their name part of a historic film. And so that's awesome. And, and again, it's also, there's a certain level of camaraderie in it too. That's like, no, you can, these guys might be putting their necks out there to make a film like this. And what the health is definitely controversial. You know, when you compare it to Cowspiracy, it's a whole nother level. Mm-hmm. And people are saying, no, you know, I'm standing up and being counted to someone else who's going to, to stand up to this industry and to the abuse that's going on. And, and I'm not afraid. So there's a courageousness that I think that it shows and, and people want to be part of that as well. Yeah. I feel courageous just interviewing you guys. I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, I mean, it's funny because I'm doing the food film heels and there's so much in there that I'm like, people are going to delete me as a friend when they see what I really think when this film comes out. You know what I mean? But guess what? I have to speak my truth because if we don't speak our truths, what is the point of our existence? You know? Exactly. All right. Well said. (laughs) Thank you. All right. And then there's a thousand dollars. You can have lunch with the directors, which I might take advantage of because I would love to have lunch with you guys and go to San Francisco. You can become an associate producer for fifteen hundred and it just goes on and on and from there. So I encourage everyone at Food Heals Nation to check it out. And you have a book. So the book came out in what was it, October last year. It's called The Sustainability Secret and it's the everything that we couldn't fit into the 90 minute film of Cowspiracy. And so it goes deeper into all the aspects from political repression to activist repression to, you know, how animals are actually treated and raised to, I mean, just so in depth. It was when we shot Cowspiracy, we had a hundred hours of footage and then to try and cram that down into an hour and a half was next to impossible. So it's the same Billy secret, which you can get on our website, cowspiracy.com. You also get on Amazon and Barnes Noble and any other place where you can buy books is just further reading, further in-depth information that just continues the the whole journey of what is Cowspiracy. I love it. The Sustainability Secret book is out now. So any questions that you guys have, it's probably answered in the book if we didn't get to it today. So tell everyone where they can find you online, stalk you on Twitter, follow you on Instagram, all that good stuff. Yeah, so we're on Twitter and Instagram, at Cowspiracy. We're on Facebook as Cowspiracy, the sustainability secret. I think it's facebook.com forward slash Cowspiracy movie. The website is one of the best places to keep in touch with us is Cowspiracy.com. Sign up for our newsletter. We don't send out newsletters very often, but when we do, it's it's always engaging. It's always something that people are excited about, and it's really a great way to keep up to date with what the health, the new film that's coming out. And you know, we have campaigns that we run all the time. Like we had a really successful Earth Day campaign, which we encourage people to sign up for a 30-day vegan challenge. And again, we had 10,000 people do that to show, hey, 30 days, what, you, what kind of difference can you make for the planet? And then we have a bunch of really exciting stuff coming up in 2016. And so really, cowspiracy.com is the best place to stay in touch with us. Awesome. I love that. So what can you each give us? Just leave us with a word of advice. It can be one thing that people can do today to start moving in the right direction, or it can be something that your mama taught you. Just leave us with a piece of advice. People can tweet it to you. They can put it on their Instagram. What do you guys have? One of them is, I like say, is not only a lot of, a lot of, especially people who listen and watch the films are vegans already, and that's walking the talk, but also a huge one of being an activist is talking the walk. Not only just, you know, living, living the truth, but really speaking the truth and sharing it in, you know, in a compassionate way. So, you know, walk the talk and talk the walk by spreading the information, I guess. Yeah. And my mom taught me two rules, which was never hurt anybody. It means don't hurt your brother's body or cow's body or chicken's body. Don't hurt anybody and always question authority. And I think those are good rules to live by. 
Oh my God, if Susie was here, we would be giving you a round of applause. (laughs) That's what we do sometimes. Thank you guys so much for being here. You've given us so much information. And as soon as What's the Health is coming out, please come back so we can promote you all over the place. Thanks so much. Thank you. It's been great. Thanks, guys. Food Heals Nation, don't forget to join our mailing list so you can get all the juicy details when we launch our Food Heals VIP Club. Yep, sign up today and we will email you a discount code that you can use to get 20% off anything in the club. The Food Heals VIP Club is a members-only club and holistic lifestyle brand where we will teach you strategies and classes in the fields of nutrition, spirituality, and entrepreneurship. All our favorite things to talk about. All our favorite things. (laughs) The Food Heals VIP Club is something we've been working on for a while now, and we've just been putting our hearts and souls into it. It's been really fun and rewarding, and I just can't wait till we launch to bring you all this good stuff. So stay tuned for the launch date, but we are thrilled to bring you classes like How to Do a Juice Cleanse. Or if you are looking to add more vegan meals into your life, we're going to give you the perfect vegan meal plan for ultimate health longevity, and vitality. Or if you have a health business like we do, we'll teach you the exact strategies we use to get sponsors, how to use affiliate marketing to build your business, how to attract more clients for your coaching business, how to rock the world of social media, and just so much more. And of course, we promise to get a little woo-woo on you and teach you all about energy healing in our manifestation classes and guided meditations, like how to manifest more money, or how to release food cravings, and even how to attract the one. I think we should get woohoo on them. <laughs> <laughs> so go to foodhealsvip.com, sign up today. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This podcast is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Side effects of this podcast may include increased health and vitality, thoughts of living longer, developing a more positive outlook on life. In rare cases, people have experienced a strong desire to actually start using their $39.99 a month gym membership. If you experience any of these symptoms, Snapchat your trainer immediately.